in success, I guess I would see it as a combination of reducing the use of antibiotics and also, you know, not seeing a negative impact in the following lactation on your bulk tank SCC and on your clinical cases. Both your clinical cases, both early in lactation and maybe after after the cows have been dried. So that's also positive indication that there wasn't anything, you know, substantially wrong with the drying off procedure as well. Hello, I'm Stuart Childs and you're welcome to the Dairy Age, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. Changes in legislation in 2022 officially brought to an end the prophylactic use of antibiotic dry cow tubes. However, while it had been well flagged, the Department of Agriculture took a soft stance in relation to its implementation last year. That is not going to be the case in 2023, and vets will be expected to only prescribe antibiotics where there is evidence of its requirement. This presents a challenge to dairy farmers as the level of attention to detail to dry off cows has to be very high, as the insurance of the dry cow antibiotic will be gone. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Pablo Silva Bologna, mastitis researcher at Chagas Moor Park, to discuss the findings from research that he has done into selective dry cow therapy. And I began by asking Pablo, to just give a quick recap of what exactly selective dry cow therapy is. Traditionally, as you as you know, we herds have been doing blanket dry cow therapy, which means that they've been treating all cows at the end of the lactation with an intramammary antibiotic. And this is usually very useful for treating existing infections and it it can help uh, preventing new infections over the dry period. Now, with the coming of the new legislation, we can no longer use antibiotics as a preventive measure. Therefore, we we cannot use the antibiotics to prevent dry period infections. So the term selective refers to selectively assigning uh, antibiotic treatment to cows that are actually uh, have an infection at the end of their lactation so that we only use the antibiotics to treat existing infections and not preventing new ones. The cows that we are assessing that don't have an an infection at the end of the lactation, they can be treated with another product, which is an internal T-telin product, uh, which is an inorganic product that acts as a physical barrier that prevents the entrance of bacteria of the teat. That's the the main concept of of selective drug therapy. Okay, so it's very important that people are clear that uh, obviously the objective is to lower the amount of antibiotic usage. It's not actually eliminating it. So people can get antibiotics for the cows that will need it. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, with the legislation, first of all, there's like a requirement to have cow level information to guide antibiotic treatment. So provided there is evidence that shows that that cow might have an infection, then that's justification enough for for a cow to be treated with antibiotics. But it is no longer possible to be using antibiotic for all cows, regardless of their infection or their health status, per se. Okay. So when you say cow level um, information there, you're talking about milk recording. You and I are going to talk about milk recording, but I suppose just for for some people that may have not stepped onto the milk recording train just yet, that Mm -hmm. cow level information is maybe going to be a CMT test. Um, which the vet is probably going to have to do in order to uh, or to, to kind of re- work with the vet in order to actually get antibiotics in that situation if they're needed. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I think that is correct. Um, ultimately, it does depend to the veterinarian uh, to decide whether there is sufficient evidence to have, you know, to give the cow antibiotics or not. But information that the vets can use can be, of course, the milk recording, 
but if that's not available, he can use the California mastitis test to, to identify infected quarters, maybe records of clinical cases that, that have happened not too long, not too far from the dry period. That could be another piece of information that the veterinarian uses for deciding which cows get antibiotic and which don't. And well, what we've used in the in in research setting is taking a quarter milk samples for bacteriology analysis, but that's super labor intensive and not something that commercial farmers would be doing, of course. So I suppose just to highlight to people, so Pablo, really like like the milk recording is actually the easiest way of doing this in reality. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. the CMT test, an entire herd of cows, or as you said, the quarter sample, an entire herd of cows is very time consuming and very uh, labor intensive. As you said, you need a lot of help to do it right. And and people will actually get very frustrated with milk samples, I would think as well, that they can, they'll find that they'll get contamination and all of this kind of stuff happening as well. Whereas milk recording is much more straightforward way of doing it. Indeed. Milk recording is the most useful and easy to get piece of information and you know, it, 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 it strikes the, the best balance of reliable information and easy to get compared to the other methods, for sure. So definitely, if the farmers can, they should do milk recording. Okay, very good. So I suppose, um, as you said, the the old way of doing things was the dry cow antibiotic across the board. And in vast majority of cases, a teat sealer with that. Some people may have not used teat sealers in that situation. They might have just used the antibiotics. Um, but the vast majority of people were probably in the situation where they were using the dry cow antibiotic plus the, the, the sealer. Now you're asking people to just use the sealer. So or where, where it's justified to only use the sealer. What are the risks, the major risks that are associated with going down the selective dry cow route? The major risks are... First of all, are at dry off. If the procedure is not done correctly and very hygienically, there is a, a risk that the cows, you know, might become infected with the just by the fact that the person is putting in bacteria with the teeth. And if it, you know if the teeth is not properly cleaned, then there's a risk that bacteria enters the the teeth with the teeth sealant. And then there's no antibiotic to kind of counteract that that infection. So at dry off, is, it's one of the main risks. And the technique is important as well. If it's not properly applied, you know, if it's not covering the base of the teeth and the teeth end, then it doesn't do its action of actually stopping bacteria coming up the mammary gland. So correct application, not letting it go up the, the gland, you know, letting it stay in the bottom of the teeth so that it can prevent the the entrance of bacteria that's another very important thing and um, and risks because antibiotics do have you know there are long acting antibiotics and they they have an effect throughout the dry period because the cows don't have this antibiotic in their dry period dry period management and early lactation calving and early lactation management are also very important because cows a, a couple of weeks before calving and a couple of weeks after calving at a, at a very high risk of having infections. And when there is no longer an antibiotic there, if management is not, uh, you know, correct, then there is a risk of infections. Okay, so that's the main issue, obviously, is that there's nothing in there now to do that preventative piece that you talked about, which is obviously the the objective of the legislation to stop that as well obviously that yeah. you're not putting in something in anticipation of an infection you're, you're you're not putting it in because there's going to be no infection so that surgically clean environment 
is is the critical piece of this, I suppose. So you've done a lot of research on farm, uh, and it's very important to point out that this is happening on commercial farms. This is not inside Moorpark where you're based. Um, this is out on commercial farms. So I suppose it, not not that there's anything wrong with Moorpark, obviously, but it's given <laughs> it a more. Uh, it's obviously more a, a real um, piece of information in terms of different types of housing, different types of setups, different types of yards, different types of milking parlors from the work that you've done. So you've yeah. done a nice bit of commercial research there that's been published in the last couple of months. Um, from the research work that you've done on the commercial farm studies, what are the most interesting findings from your perspective that people should be aware of? Mm. Uh, yeah, as you say, we've done a good bit of trials on commercial farms. Um, we've done we've done control trials in the sense that we're we're looking at the effect of using T-tillant alone compared to antibiotic plus T-tillant in low SCC cows. And we've also looked at farms that have been doing selective trichotherapy for a number of years to identify what their you know the risk factors are more important. And from those two pieces of work, I think. Well, we, we've we've come across um, very interesting results. Uh, first of all, that uh, the results or the outcome of selective dry cow therapy depends, uh, I think, to the majority of its outcome, it depends on each specific herd. So what management practices are being implemented on, on each specific herd. So in some herds, we have found that there is no negative impact of using T-tealant alone compared to antibiotic plus T-tealant and low SEC cows, whereas in others, it has resulted in higher SEC in the following lactation and in high, higher infection levels. So that has a lot to do with what I was saying before, um, dry period management practices and early lactation management practices, because new infection around the, those times, those critical times uh, are very high. And if management is not correct, then um, this, there is a high risk. Another important piece of, of, of information that we found that was very interesting is that, yeah, using the last milk recording of the lactation was a good tool to decide which cows should get antibiotic plus T-tealant and which cows should get T-tealant alone. And, and from that work as well, we were able to identify which one was uh, which SEC cup point could be the best um the best threshold to select which cows get antibiotic and which don't and from our studies it turns out that for for older cows it's somewhere around 100,000 and for younger cows it can be slightly lower around 65,000 if i remember correctly and so farmers can or vets as well who are making the decisions can consider perhaps using a lower threshold for the younger animals if they feel that there is a high risk for that particular herd. There is some justification for that. And um, other interesting things that we found was that in you know in the commercial herds that we surveyed, there was a large um, level of infection, a high level of infection in first lactation cows. And this could be a problem because these are animals that are just starting their production life. And they, if they get infections, particularly with Staph aureus, then they are not off to a great start. And they risk, you know, they risk having that bacteria there for their almost their entire lifetime and also spreading it to other cows. So that, that's something that's important that, and that farmers should definitely pay close attention to. And, and other things that, oh, sorry. 
Yeah, no, just how how come like like you said, those hef- those first calvers are they should by right be the, the cleanest animals coming into the into the herd really because they've sure. they're they're completely new to the setup. How come yeah. you're fine? Do you, do, what what thing, what do you think is actually ju- meaning that they're coming back with this high cell count or that they're showing up with this higher level of infection than you would have expected? I presume you would have thought exactly what I'm saying there that the heifers should probably be fine. Yeah, we were very surprised to see that. Um, and well, just bear in mind that this was infections in lay lactation. So the, we think that the majority of those originated early on in the lactation, but we, we don't know for sure because we only looked at lay lactation, right? But still, uh, these are animals that are still growing, still developing. Uh, their immune system has not been fully developed. It hasn't been fully challenged to bacterial exposure. And they, when they're transitioning from you know, the late pregnancy period to the early lactation period, they, they, you know, they are subject to a a high level of stress, a lot of, you know, changes in their physiology and everything, which makes them more vulnerable to to infection. Their immunity is, is definitely reduced compared to, or compared to older cows. And that affects, you know, their capacity to fight off infection. If you add to that, that in the majority of Irish herds, older cows are managed together with heifers uh, in their calving, you know, in their calving situation and in their early lactation as well. Uh, and being that older cows usually are a reservoir for Staph aureus in particular and that they can spread it to other cows. I think that combination makes it, um, you know, makes it, makes me think that that's what can be happening with these cows. So those those all those factors put together uh, contribute to having a high level of infection in heifers, I think. So basically, Pablo, what you're saying there is we'll say maybe the close-up cows that are and heifers that are near calving, maybe on cubicles near a straw bed, are at risk because the older cows maybe start to leak even in spite of a sealer or whatever. So there may be milk on the cubicles that now uh, has access to heifers that maybe aren't sealed in many cases and that the infection is coming through there and maybe also happening in the calving boxes themselves then in the group calving areas and so forth as well. Yes, those two things can be a risk factor. And also, like, uh, yeah, when they go in the parlor, if they go, you know, they're they're mixed immediately or shortly after calving with the older cows, they're also a risk because, you know, one one heifer might be milked right after a, a chronic cow that she's been high SEC since the previous lactation. And then the cluster or the milker's hands, you know, have that cross-contamination of the milk, which may cause the cow, uh, the heifer, get an infection. Okay, so like that's another one of the management points that you're making. So basically that we need to be managing in the parlor as much as uh, around the, the winter housing, etc. as well. Definitely, as much as as much as possible. I know that for Irish dairy farmers, it's a bit difficult um, to, to have separate groups of cows, for example. But in other parts of the world, they do manage heifers as a separate group because of the, this risk that they have of of you know becoming more infected but um, anything that the farmer can do to prevent you know uh, to prevent infection coming from older cows to younger cows uh, is something that could benefit and reduce the risk and keeping always in mind that you know let's say the the two weeks before calving and the two weeks after calving are critical times where both cows and heifers get the majority of their infections 
So that's very important at, at this particular at those particular times to 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 keep a close eye. I'd say. So you've um, touched on a couple of different pieces there, but I suppose just to to kind of the, the three things that people should really remember in relation to this piece of of work now in terms of drawing off cows for 2023 uh, or for the lactation of 2024. And obviously it's important that people bear in mind that what they do here in the next two months or three months as they're drawing off is going to have an impact on, on their situation in early 2024, whether they're going to have a stressful spring on top of an already stressful spring, maybe calving the cows. You don't want to have mastitis problems in the at any stage of the lactation and in particular at the springtime because of uh, just the challenges of, as you said, managing a lot of stock coming in together, um, parlor management, calves, all those kind of things to be dealt with. So what people do now over the next couple of months are going to be very important. So f- from the, the work that you've done, what are the three key things that people have to bear in mind to go about drawing off cows for the this this uh, 2023 going into 24? Yeah, um, I'll try to keep it to just three, but because <laughs> you know, one one could go to to a great extent. Uh, first of all, maybe just as I think you touched on a very important point. Maybe trying to think of the of the you know the dry period and drying off as the starting of the following lactation rather than the ending of this one. So we're preparing cows for what's happening next. The dry period is also preparing cows what's happening for what's happening in the following lactation. So it's key that we. I think put that in perspective so that we can, you know, get to a right start. Uh, the key three things I think are, I think all three things are management, 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 to be honest. Um, first of all, the drying off procedure needs to be as clean as possible and making sure that cows' teeth are properly clean, especially if they're going to be um, treated with teeth sealants alone. But the level of cleanliness needs to be, uh, yeah, clinical, as you said, almost surgical, as you said. So to prevent any any risk of putting infections in the cows, and um, we found with our research, and I didn't say that this before, but that maybe uh, cows that were yielding um, have higher yields approaching dry off might be at more risk if they're treated with teeth sealants. So applying some strategies. But uh, preferably nutritional strategies to to reduce their yields towards drying off, particularly if they're going to be tri- dried off with uh, teeth sealant, could be good. Then during the dry period is an early lactation is management is is super critical. We our research showed us that you know for farmers that were cleaning and liming the cubicles twice per day had lower SCC cows in the following lactation compared to farmers that were doing it just once a day. So keeping the cubicles as clean as possible and and keeping in mind as well, if cubicles are overstocked, then it's going to be much harder to keep clean. So probably the frequency of cleaning of those cubicles is going to be, it's going to need to be higher. And and that's very important. Around calving, if you can, you know, um, prevent mixing up heifers with older cows could be important. And in early lactation, keeping, you know, your milking management practices optimal so that there is no spread. So trying to avoid spreading infections with the, with your hands. So keeping hands and teeth while, while milking as dry and as clean as possible and correctly applying post-milking teeth disinfection because it's one of the most effective practices as well shown to 
prevent the spread of staph aureus infection. So that's very key is um, doing the post-milking disinfection, doing it very um, consciously that it needs to be properly covering all the teeth. Um, oh. And the last message, if I if I may, is, um, you know, for selection of cows, milk recording is the best piece of information. Uh, farmers can do, let's say, if they're not doing any milk recordings, they can maybe start with one towards the end of lactation, maybe within 30 days before drying off. And um, that would be useful to them to make uh, decisions on which cows get T-tealant and which ones get antibiotic. But uh, the more milk recordings, the better in terms as well of mastitis management and making decisions on whether to call or to keep the cows in the herd as well. So the more milk recordings you can do, the better. Okay. So I suppose just to end on a really positive note, Pablo, like this can be yeah. successful, successfully done. And uh, we've numerous examples of it. And in some cases, some quite large herds actually um, doing lots of cows with sealer only. Uh, I suppose what you, you mentioned, I just wanted to pick up on one thing that you said there in terms of the nutritional management to reduce the yield less than uh, 15 kilos, I think you said. Um, I think what your point there is that going once a day isn't uh, probably a great idea for to reduce the yield in order to dry cows off. And that's why you're emphasizing that it's nutritionally managing to reduce the yields that you're talking about there, I presume, is it? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, according to Chagas research, uh, doing once a day towards a late lactation does increase, you know, um, substantially SEC levels. So I wouldn't be inclined to go once a day in that particular time of the year. And okay, yeah, we'll focus on the nutritional side of things. Yeah. Okay. And as I said, sorry, I'm doubling back now, but uh, in terms of the positivity or the positive message in relation to this, this oh, yeah. is this is successfully um, being done in, on many farms. Um, what's what's your view on it in terms of what what does success look like in 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 this on commercial farms? Is how what kind of a percentage or is it the appropriate percentage done every year? Is the is is what success is if you know what I mean? And it's that number, like you said, they are getting the balance right between the selectivity and the sensitivity of the number that you pick, so that you you maximise the number of cows that do get the the acelerone treatment but that you don't miss the infections that might be potentially lying there as well so what, yeah. what's your what's your take on success looking like it for a commercial farmer listening to us yeah so going back to the positive message yeah it is very possible to do this practice uh, without you know negative outcomes or without any negative impacts we saw that even when farmers were selecting their cows uh, using a 200,000 uh, cup point for SEC. So even then, uh, some farmers did quite well. They There was no negative impact of using T-tealant in the following lactation. So it's very possible if management is on point. Um, and success, I guess I would see it as a combination of reducing the use of antibiotics and also, you know, not seeing a negative impact in the following lactation on your bulk tank SEC and on your clinical cases. Both your clinical cases, both early in lactation and maybe after after the cows have been dried. So that's also a positive indication that there wasn't anything, you know, substantially wrong with the drying off procedure as well. If you're seeing a lot of clinical cases early in the dry period, then that could be an indication that there was something wrong with the procedure itself. And just again, to give um, a positive note, in our studies where we surveyed more than 20 commercial farms, there were farmers that were doing you know, over 80% of their cows with tea tealants alone. And, you know, they didn't have problems in the following lactation. And their bulk tank SEC was always 
under 200,000. So it is very possible to implement this practice um, in a successful way. Absolutely. Okay, very good. And I suppose just finally, we'll remind people that there is obviously um, support there through the AHI funded TESA program as well in relation to people that are maybe going down this route for the first time. They can contact their vets um, about doing a consult with them and to make sure that they take the right steps and pick the right cows and so forth. And obviously, um, people are there to help and people shouldn't do this without help. So thanks a million for coming on today, Pablo, and for sharing your knowledge with us. Okay, No problem at all. That's all for this week's episode of the Dairy Age podcast and my thanks to Pablo for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Stuart Childs and join us next time for your Dairy Age.